Episode 255 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part by Gusto Easy Online Payroll Benefits and HR built for modern small businesses. Demo Gusto free for three months when you run your first payroll. Just visit gusto.com slash read to lead. I think that the content that is most successful on social media and the people that are most successful at growing large followings, they have that value mindset. Hey there, hope you're doing well. My name is Jeff and this is the Read to Lead podcast. It's the show dedicated to your personal and your professional growth. I'm a little bit under the weather, but as they say, the show must go on and go on, it will. I believe that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, that intentional and consistent reading is a must. Today, you and I will hear from Brendan Kane. His new book is called One Million Followers, How I Built a Massive Social Following in 30 Days. Growth hacks for your business, your message, and your brand from the world's greatest minds. Brendan says that billions of online messages are sent on digital platforms every day, and only a select few succeed in the mad scramble for customer attention. This means that the question for anyone who wants to gain mass exposure for their content, business, or brand, or connect with audiences around the world is no longer if they should use social media, but how to best take advantage of the numerous platform options. In this book, Brendan will teach you how to gain an authentic, dedicated, and diverse online following from scratch, create personal, unique, and valuable content that will engage your core audience, and build a multimedia brand through platforms like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, and LinkedIn. In short, 1 Million Followers is the ultimate guide to building your worldwide brand and unlocking all the benefits social media has to offer. And the questions I'll be tossing Brendan include asking him about the foundation of his incredibly effective social media methodology, why the content that you share isn't as important as the context you wrap it in, tips for local businesses and social media as well, plus a lot more. Brendan Kane is a digital strategist for Fortune 500 corporations, global brands, and celebrities. He started his career in the entertainment industry, managing digital divisions for two prominent movie studios. He then went on to build applications and campaigns for celebrity clients like Taylor Swift, Rihanna, Katie Couric, Jason Statham, and supermodel Adriana Lima. Brendan's brand new book is called One Million Followers, Growth Hacks for Your Business, Your Message, and Your Brand from the World's Greatest Minds. I'm loving the book. It's helping me tremendously, and I think it'll help you too. Brendan, uh, welcome to Read to Lead. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Suppose, Brendan, that, that I'm somebody who feels like they're getting along just fine without spending a whole lot of time and money on social media. What are you seeing, particularly in the context of jobs and careers, that might make me want to reconsider that strategy going forward? Yeah, well, first off, you bring up a, a really great point. And I speak a lot about this to, to people is when we talk about social media and whether it's the right fit. You know, first and foremost, it has to be something that you are interested in or you're excited about either by doing or the, the actual potential of it. Because if you're not, I recommend that people 
continue to stay away from it because it does take a lot of time and effort and energy mm. to be successful at it. With that said, there is tremendous opportunity in being good at social and understanding social platforms. When you talk about, for example, trying to get a job, you know, just the sheer fact of having the skill set of understanding social and digital platforms will put you light years ahead of other candidates. And that's even if you are not applying for a social media job, even if you're applying just for a general marketing job or other facets of a, a specific corporation or business is having the knowledge of how the platforms work and the power and the potential of it just allows you to differentiate yourself from the crowd, but it also allows you to kind of understand where society and culture is going, because whether you like social media or not, it's become an intricate part of everyday life. And it's really changed the dynamic of how people communicate effectively with each other and with businesses and brands and products and services. And then secondarily, it's being able to market yourself and stand out. Like I've, I've started to get pretty heavily involved in LinkedIn and mm. just the sheer fact of getting your content out in the world and, and getting recognized as a thought leader in any type of space uh, on social or digital platforms generates a lot of opportunities for you, whether that that's getting strategic partnerships, it's getting speaking engagements, or even potentially people reaching out wanting to hire you either as an employee or as a specific contractor. I know when I left broadcasting the radio industry almost six years ago, I was fortunate, Brendan, to be able to transition pretty quickly. I started doing a podcast back then and creating content and, and building a platform. Uh, but in that time, I've seen numerous colleagues and, and friends in that industry uh, suffer the same fate. And, and inevitably, they reach out to me and say, I lost my job. How did you do what you did? And one of the first things I do is I, is I look at their social media and I see in many cases, they're not doing a lot. They're not building followers and connections and, and it's holding them back. They, they sort of poo-poo social media, as, as you hinted, but don't realize how beneficial it can be if used in, in the right way. Um, I know that your methods and methodologies, uh, you say, don't differ a great deal from, say, your software creator brethren, but there are some some differences. What would you say is is the foundation of your social media methodology? I would boil it down to one word, and that's testing. I think that people going into social media, they get this misconception that all I just have to do is post. Is like <laughs> if I just post videos or photos or whatever content you're putting out into the world, it's just automatically going to work. It's automatically going to reach millions of people or even thousands of people. When in reality, that happens less than 1% of the time. Mm. It really comes down to really testing and learning what it takes to get your intended audience to engage with the content that you're putting out into the world and understanding what is working and what's not working. Because what people will do is they'll, like 99% of the people, they'll go out there, they'll just post a video or a photo and people don't engage with it. And they're all of a sudden going to say social media doesn't work. <laughs> When that's not true. I mean, if social media didn't work, there wouldn't be 2 billion people on the Facebook platform, a billion people on Instagram, and billions of people watching videos on YouTube every month. So the platform does work. It's just you've got to make it work for you. And the best way that I have found in the methodology that I use is, is to be testing content constantly and understanding how to package your message, package your content in a way that really resonates with your audience to get them to engage in the way that you want them to engage, whether that is just purely liking, commenting, sharing, or registering for an email list, or uh, signing up for a free consultation call, or purchasing your product. 
I, I know for you, when it comes to engagement, and certainly in this experiment you recently executed, uh, Facebook for you was was sort of uh, uh, your platform of choice. Uh, why is that the case? Is it the shareability? Is it the, the feedback that Facebook gives you on the impact your ads are having, a combination of those things? Yeah, so I, I, I spent I spent about three and a half years building these set of testing methodologies and predictive calculations on top of the Facebook platform. And I've spent pretty much the last six or seven months focusing heavily on Instagram and now just getting into uh, YouTube as well. So I started with Facebook and I still firmly believe the value in Facebook for two specific reasons. Mm. One, it is inherently built as a shareable platform. It's, it's built around the concept of sharing. And what that does is it makes it a real democratic platform of content, which means that if you produce a great piece of content and you get in front of the right people, you'll get exponential growth from people sharing it versus looking at an Instagram or YouTube or Snapchat. It's designed differently. It's more algorithmic based where you have to play to the algorithms in order to get that visibility around your content. Yes, there's algorithms that are at play with Facebook and people get their content pushed down all the time, but you can easily overcome that by getting people to share your content at the highest possible velocity. The second reason that I love the Facebook platform, and this also extends to Instagram, is the advertising platform. That, that It's called the Facebook advertising platform, but it also is the same platform that powers Instagram, Facebook Messenger, and WhatsApp. And the reason I love the advertising platform is most people just look at it as just an advertising tool or a media buying tool, whereas I look at it as the most powerful market research tool that you have. Mm. Because there's the level of granularity that you can get with the targeting, leveraging their advertising platform, you can control every single element of who you're pushing that content to. You can learn a tremendous amount about content, how to package your content, what formats and themes best represent your brand, your product or service. And you can test it at scale and and measure it in real time to see what's working, what's not working. And prior to that, like you would have to leverage traditional marketing research firms, which would charge you a tremendous amount of money to execute upon. And I don't even think it was as effective because what I see from market research is there's a big, big difference between what people say and what people do. And with the Facebook advertising platform, you can actually measure what people are doing in real time with your content and get very sophisticated about how to increase your overall uh, brand effectiveness through the content you're putting on social platforms. And then I I know I only mentioned two, but a last one that just came to mind in, in terms of Facebook specifically is you can drive a tremendous amount of traffic out of Facebook to third party destination sites, to e commerce stores, to media to blogs, whatever that may be. And it's probably the most effective of the social platforms in terms of driving content out at scale. And I think that begs the question, then how do I know how much money or or time to invest in this process? Is there an all-encompassing place to start or does it depend on on your goals? Yeah. So the first place that I start out is with the last thing that you mentioned is what are your goals? Mm. But also more specifically, what what is the return on investment that you're hoping to get out of social media? Are you an e-commerce company that's trying to sell a product? If, If you're trying to sell a product, then you have very specific margins around the profitability of marketing your product. So what is that cost per acquisition that makes it profitable for your business to move forward and and using that as your benchmark with every dollar you spend? But it can be something completely 
completely different. Like for example, in my case, like when I built a million followers in 30 days on Facebook, I wasn't turning myself into an influencer or a celebrity where I was going to generate money off of endorsement deals or advertisements. Mm -hmm. I leveraged it to get a literary agent, which led to getting a publishing deal and publishing my first book and then getting invited to speak at different conferences around the world. And, you know, it's, it's helping me in building my brand. So my return on investment was a little bit different, but I knew what the end goal was in mind. And thus I viewed every dollar I spent through that lens. Like I knew why I was spending money to invest in my growth. I knew why I was spending the time. I knew why I was hiring specific contractors. So the first place to start is to get very clear on what your specific objective is and how you're going to get a return on investment from either the time that you put in or the dollars that you put into to fuel that social growth. Well, with that growth will come the need for new tools. And one of them you want to have in your quiver is Gusto. Gusto is easy online payroll benefits and HR built for today's modern small businesses, including easy to run payroll, expert HR support and benefits for nearly any budget. They serve small businesses in all 50 states. They can automatically file and pay all state, local, and federal payroll taxes, sign, store, and organize employee paperwork online, and lots more. To check it out, go to gusto.com slash read to lead. And as a listener, you can demo Gusto free for three months once you run your first payroll. It's that simple. Nothing to lose and everything to gain. Again, it's gusto.com slash read to lead to check out Gusto right now. Show your support for read to lead when you try Gusto for free. Again, that's gusto.com slash read to lead. One particular subject you delve into is one that I was familiar with, Brendan, from, from my radio days. And there's a quote related to this in the book that stands out to me that goes, many times the content that you share isn't as important as the context you wrap it in. To get the most out of your content, you need to be a great communicator. Can you talk a bit about the PCM, the process communication model? Because I think a lot of people are not even aware of this. Yeah, so I'll tackle that in in two steps. So first, just in social platforms and digital media, it is critically important to understand how to effectively package content. Because the fact of the matter is, there's over 60 billion messages sent on digital platforms each day, you need to make sure that your message is standing out. And there's very clear formats that work on social platforms. So for example, with Facebook and Instagram, you have less than three seconds to capture somebody's attention. Mm. So when you're when somebody's scrolling through the feed, they're just keep swiping up, keep swiping up. In addition to the fact that 70% of the, the video consumed on those platforms is with the sound off. So that's why you, you'll see a lot of people adding captions to their content or adding what's called a meme card or, or a headline that's burned into the top of the video is so that you can effectively communicate within three seconds what the video is about so you can earn the right to get them to watch 10 more seconds then 30 more seconds and 60 more seconds. So it's really critically important to understand how to effectively package your content and being a student of that because you can have the most compelling message or story, but if it's not packaged properly, it just won't work. And that's also the process communication model, which you mentioned and is one of the the most valuable things that I had learned, really speaks about this in depth. And the process communication model was discovered in the 1970s by this psychologist that that was studying human transactional uh, analysis. And from my understanding, that takes like 10 or 15 years to master. It's it's really Mm -hmm. complex. But when he was 
was studying that, he, he identified that within each individual, there were six different personality types. And the difference was that he believed that each person has all six within us, but we use one as the primary way of how we perceive the world. Mm. And what they say is that once you understand how an individual is perceiving the world, you can effectively communicate with them at a much higher level and a much more effective level. Uh, and what they talk about is that typically people are talking about the same thing, but because they perceive the world in different ways, they're using different terminology and language, and it just misses the boat. And that's where a lot of conflict comes from. So to give you some examples, like in the 70s, NASA picked up on this and made this guy come in. And you've seen it in movies where they'll interview people, and it takes like two or three days of this crazy psychological evaluation to determine whether somebody's right for the, the space program or not. Mm. And they brought this individual in that, that created the process communication model. His name is Tavy Collar. And they put him in the back of the room. And with, literally within 10 minutes, he would write down on a piece of paper how that person perceived the world and whether or not they were right for the, the space program. And then he would drop the paper on the floor and then just leave the room. <laughs> so after that, you know, they saw the effectiveness of that and they retrained their entire space program based upon this methodology. And then from there, Bill Clinton found out about it after he lost the reelection of governor of Arkansas, proceeded to use this to win the the election. And there's one specific debate, I think it was a, a, against Bush at the time, and a presidential debate where a woman stands up and says, you know, I, our family's really struggling and uh, how are you going to help us? We've lost our jobs. And I really want to know, like, if you become president, like, how are you going to solve some of these key issues? And Bush got up and he perceived the world through thoughts and logic. So he got up and started talking about facts and data and different areas that he's going to impact the specific problems that the, the, the woman relayed. And then Bill Clinton, understanding that this, this woman perceived the, the world through feelings and emotions, the first thing he did before he responded, he walked around the podium and he said, I feel your pain. And with that, he connected with her because she perceived the world through feelings and emotions. And 65% of women in the North American population also perceived the world through feelings and emotions. And even though both Bush and Clinton were talking about similar solutions, Clinton was able to connect with that female audience in a powerful way because he was using language that connected with her specific personality type or the way that she perceived the world. And then also secretly, Pixar has writers on staff that are trained in the process communication model. And that's why you see Pixar being the most successful movie startup of all time is because you go to a Pixar movie and you'll see a very diverse audience because they have an individual character that speaks to each personality type. And that's really where it comes down to content versus context is like you mm. could have a specific message, but it won't resonate if you're not being able to articulate it in a way that speaks to each way that people perceive the world. And where people go wrong with content is they're always creating content from the, the, the lens of how they perceive the world. And instead of looking at how other people perceive the world and making sure that they're making the content digestible for them as individuals perceiving the world in a different way from themselves. Well, this makes sense, obviously, right off the bat for anyone running an international or a global brand or personal brand or otherwise. Uh, but what, are, what about that local business owner? Is it safe to assume that some social platforms make more sense than others? Does it make sense if I'm a, a running a local business to, to leverage a platform like, say, Instagram, for example? Yeah, so I, th I feel like social is a very strong strategy for local businesses. And I'll give you an example. I think it, it works well for Facebook and I think it w works well for, for Instagram and it can work well for YouTube if you use the right strategy. But 
specifically for Instagram, I'll give you uh, something that is also described in a book where I have a friend that started opening up restaurants and partnered with a lot of local restaurants. And they really believe in Instagram. And I believe the same thing is that Instagram is designed for offline experiences. Most people with Instagram, they're taking photos of what they're experiencing in their everyday life. So in their example, they were focused really on restaurants and, and people you'll see it all the time is when they go to a restaurant, they'll be taking photos of their food and they want to share that experience, that offline experience that they're having to online. So they were opening some restaurants in New York and L.A. and they wanted to get big celebrities to show up to the restaurants because obviously getting big celebrities to show up helps fuel the, the word of mouth and just really gives a lot of validation and credibility. But what they found is that it's a lot more difficult than it sounds to get you know, big celebrity to show up at your restaurant. They reached out to publicists and managers and agents and nobody was responding. So the strategy that they used, which was brilliant, is that they found out all of the people that the celebrity followed, you know, their close friends and the people that they admired and respected, and they targeted those people. Mm. So they basically, they were targeting the influencer that influences the celebrity. <laughs> and what they would do is they would reach out to these people and say, hey, we would love to have you come by and give you a free meal and check out this new restaurant. And they had a lot of success with it. They would get these people that didn't have huge, huge social followings because nobody would, would, would really target them with those types of messages and, and offer. And even though they were small, they had a lot of influence because they had big celebrities following them. And they saw over time that the big celebrities started showing up because their friends were posting and talking about this great restaurant that they had just uh, gone to. So from a local perspective and a local business, as you just think about how is your business uh, an amazing offline experience for people and like how can you target those individuals that are influential in your community to come in and try it? On the other side is like going back to what we were talking about earlier with the advertising platform, especially Facebook and Instagram, like you can target specifically down to the zip code level mm. and you can target and see content to people in the community that you have a smaller uh, local business and capture their attention, generate leads and offer unique content and value to them to stand out and be different. You know, I've seen radio impacted by all of this uh, coming from that industry and selling ads to businesses where you basically said, you know, this is our target listener or this is how many listeners we have and, and you charge based on that. And then you look at social media where it can get so granular and businesses, as you said, can get super specific and reach exactly and only who, who they want it. It makes me wonder why anyone is still advertising with traditional media. <laughs> I don't know if you have feelings about that, but uh, uh, that's that, that, those are some of the kinds of thoughts that roll around in my head. Yeah, it's amazing with social platforms, especially a lot of the, the testing that we do and the process that we break down in the book is that you yourself as an individual can get real-time feedback mm. and you can understand what's happening with the content that you're pushing to specific audiences versus with other platforms like uh, traditional formats, you don't get that real-time feedback and you're reliant on basically trying to piece together that data to see what works and, and often you're removed from the analytics and data yourself. Mm. Uh, so it, I think that for larger brands and, and larger corporations, traditional media still plays a role in terms of that big brand awareness and reaching a significant amount of people in a short period of time. But at the same time, it's like with social platforms, like the scale is there. And also, again, like that granularity and this 
the, the specifics of being able to control every variable and understand how your content, your message, your products or services are responding to specific audiences with different backgrounds, different ways of viewing things, different zip codes, hmm. genders, age groups, all of that is at your fingertips and you can control it. You mentioned LinkedIn earlier, Brendan. A, a lot of people view that as just a, you know, a job search or a position filling site. What might we be missing if, if that's how we view a platform like, like LinkedIn? So I look at it twofold. I mean, first off, I've closed tens of millions of dollars in revenue off of cold outreach on LinkedIn. Mm. To me, the level of uh, specifics that you can get into of who you're targeting, like like I, I closed business from like Xbox, Disney and Fox all through LinkedIn through cold outreach. Mm. Uh, because you can determine specifically, like if you know who's making the decisions uh, in terms of your business, like if you know that it's the VP of marketing or the CMO of a company or whatever that role is for your specific business, like you can actually look them up. You can look up who's the VP of marketing of such and such company and you can reach out and connect with them directly. Now, where a lot of people go wrong with that is they just try and sell something to them <laughs> versus how do you provide value to somebody mm. like that's where it comes down to and where we've had tremendous successes because we're always thinking about the other person and what their pain points are and how we can provide the most value to them. So looking at it as a strategic business development tool, it's extremely valuable. And then secondarily, it's becoming more of a influencer driven platform as well, where it's still early, but you yourself can become an influencer within that community, releasing content, uh, whether that's videos or articles or photos. And that's where I'm investing a lot of time and energy as well, because it's much more strategic in terms of the audience. It's a, it's a mm. business-driven network, as we all know. So people, within, when they're in that ecosystem, they, they have a business mindset when they're logging in and engaging. So the more you're seeding content to the people you want to interact with, that you want to partner with, that you want to sell products or services to, the more you're going to be top of mind and the more you're going to stand out versus everybody else. So I think there's a, there's still a really unique opportunity right now with LinkedIn because the, the influencer aspect of it and becoming an influencer is still in the very early onset stages of, of that development. You know, I do see a lot of people doing it the wrong way, uh, sending out a connect request, me saying yes to it. And next thing I know, I'm getting a message offering their services or selling me something and we, we haven't even gotten introduced. <laughs> yeah, it's it's frustrating. And, and people ask me all the time, like, well, how did you get MTV as a client or Taylor Swift as a client? It's because I just go into any situation. I'm like, how can I provide value to this person? And I don't, I'm not going in like, how do I sell something? Like sometimes providing value to the product or service I offer comes up, but it's not like I'm just trying to get in there and make a sell. Hmm. I've got a couple of questions, Brendan, in the time we have left, not directly related to the book. Before I ask those, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure we, we know about? It's really this mindset of testing and learning. It's that's yeah. what what has made social and digital so powerful and so effective. It's like Facebook, one of the biggest, the most valuable companies on the planet. Their mindset is fail fast, fail hard. <laughs> is they want to be constantly learning and, and, and looking at things at an experience. As I mentioned before, a lot of people go into social media and they try one or two things and then they say, oh, it doesn't work. When the reality is it doesn't work. You, you've just got to find the way that makes sense for you, the types of content that you're pushing out into the world. Well, Brenda, uh, I'd love to know what are the books that you have been reading recently or over the course of your career that have had an impact on you? And, and if you can, share how they impacted you as they did. 
So I think one book that I recommend people uh, checking out, because again, the success of social media is really predicated on content. It's like, if you don't have content, you have nothing. Mm. And there is, uh, there's a great book called Contagious by Jonah Berger. And he spent, I think, 10 or 15 years studying virality and understanding why people share things. And I think it's a great read and great insight for people that uh, are struggling with content and I'm a huge believer in shareability and how you get word of mouth marketing. And it's been a better part of my career focused on that. So I definitely recommend that book. I think the book that that's probably my favorite book of all time that's had the largest impact on me is How to Win Friends and Influence People by mm-hmm. Dale Carnegie, which I think from my perspective can serve two purposes of, of what we've talked about today is first off, what we were just talking about with LinkedIn and the business development side and really how you foster and grow your career through a, a value driven equation. But also, I think that the content that is most successful on social media and the people that are most successful at growing large followings, they have that value mindset. And as you know, from that book, it's really based on how you connect with people through a, a value mindset. And like, I'll give you an example, like the person that wrote the, the forward for my book, Prince EA, he was trying to be a rapper at one point, and he spent 10 years creating content around music. And he I think he generated 2 million views over the course of 10 years. And then one day he woke up and he's like, I'm just going to change my mindset. I'm just going to create content that's going to provide value to the world and, and really have a positive impact on the world. And since he made that mind shift, he's done over, I think, 3 billion views in less than two years. So it really just kind of shows the, the power of taking that, that value-driven approach through content. I love the stories and feedback and input you shared from the many, many, many people that you interviewed for the, for this book. Jonah, as a matter of fact, it's funny you mentioned his name. The podcast is going on six years old. Jonah was a guest on episode number six to talk about that that very book back when it when it first That's came awesome. out. I'm, I'm a lover of that book as well. Well, I know you're doing more public speaking now, especially with the book out, I'm sure. What are some of your tips, Brendan, for delivering an impactful and, and memorable public talk? To me, everything comes down to what is your hook point? That's where I define a lot of success, not just in speaking, but also in social media and also making yourself stand out in the world. And the analogy that I use an exercise that I give people with a hook point, and, and it defines more about what a hook point is, is if you were given the cover of a prominent magazine in your specific niche, again, you were the only person on that cover and the, the editor reached out to you and said, okay, what is the headline that you want to put on the cover of that magazine? And I look at it from the perspective, not just what is the the headline you put on that cover of the magazine, but thinking about the perspective of your core audience, your core customer. And just think about that core customer walking down the busy street of, of New York. And there's all these loud noises, people running into them and trying to kind of navigate that craziness. And then they're walking past a magazine stand with your magazine. What would be that headline that you would choose, that hook point that you would choose that would literally make them stop, mm. pick it up? buy it and read it. Because that's how difficult it is in the world that we live in today. As I mentioned, there's 60 billion messages sent on digital platforms each day. If you don't have a compelling hook to draw people in, then you're going to lose their attention. In addition to the fact like you need to have a way to succinctly package your message and your content in a way that is going to grab their attention, Hmm. but also be able to articulate in in a simplistic manner that they can wrap their head around it. So like uh, just some great examples of that is like Tim Ferriss, what he did with the four hour work week. Like he didn't start out with that title, he tested that title. 
And if it was like Tim Ferriss's tips for working less hours, it would definitely not have worked as well as a four-hour work week. And like Tim's book is amazing and I'm a huge fan of his work. The content in that book was not revolutionary. Mm -hmm. Like it had been around for a while. He just packaged it in a unique way that was brilliant. And the same thing I did with my book. And like the only reason I generated a million followers in 30 days was because I knew it was a strong hook point. Instead of saying, oh, the importance of content testing and optimization, like how I generated a massive social audience in 30 days is a far more compelling hook that brings people in, grabs their attention so that you can then actually educate them on the elements that they actually need to be successful. And it really sort of forces them to feel something, right? One one way or the other, they almost have to to pick a side. I think of you know that title, like the four hour work week. I remember you know there were people on one side of the aisle when that book came out. It's like, oh, that's no way. I mean, come on, really? And other people are like, I can do that. Yeah, and Tim doesn't work four hours a week. I sure. mean, he's. I think he's scaled back a little bit, but at the time, he was still working like forty, fifty hours a week. And he's not misleading anybody. He's just right. relaying information about what what's actually possible out there. Mm. And I also feel like I, I deal with very smart people all the time because I'm constantly trying to, to meet the, the best and brightest to learn from them. And I often see people that are extremely smart, but they just don't know how to articulate their value proposition and how to package it in a way that's really easy to understand. And I think that that's where a lot of opportunity is, is lost sometimes is not taking that that level of exercise of choosing your hook point and testing your hook point and figuring out how do I make sense of what I do to somebody that either is smart but doesn't come from my background or is just not as smart as me and how do I kind of make it more simple for them to be able to digest, especially on a larger scale. Well, I know the book's been out for a few months now. Beyond promotion, what would you say is next for you and your team, Brendan, that that you're excited about and looking forward to? Yeah, I mentioned, you know, I spent three and a half years on the Facebook platform and really perfected the strategy around that and have now been diving very deep into Instagram and having success with that platform. Mm-hmm. And now we're about to start diving into to YouTube over the next uh, few months. And I'm just constantly excited about learning. And, you know, when you get a chance to work with new people on new platforms. It's it's always fun and exciting. Well, the book, again, is called One Million Followers, How I Build a Massive Social Following in 30 Days, Growth Hacks for Your Business, Your Message, and Your Brand from the World's Greatest Minds. Brandon, this was so much fun. I've learned so much from the book. I'm going to continue leveraging uh, all you've taught me. So thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. For more on my conversation with Brendan or to check out the links and resources he and I talked about, you can visit the page on my website just for this episode. That can be found at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 255 for episode 255. If you didn't immediately recognize the Read to Lead podcast on your device because the artwork changed for the first time in the show's history, my apologies. Hopefully, my face plastered on the front wasn't too startling for you. If you have questions, comments, or feedback about the podcast, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can email me directly, jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. And if you would, remember our sponsor and that free three-month demo they're offering of their software. For more, go to gusto.com slash readtolead to check it out. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read.